Welcome to Real Estate Business Explained. On this show, we share insights to what it really looks like to build a real estate business from the inside, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm Sean, and as a coach and trainer, over the past 15 years, I've seen it all, and I wanna share what I've learned with you. So whether you're just getting started or you've already got a lot going on and you're just looking for something new, I'm confident there's gonna be something here for you. Let's get into it. Hey, I'm Sean and welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, I wanna pick back up where we left off after the last few sessions that we posted. So we've been digging in really deep on real estate teams recently. A few weeks ago, we talked about why we seem to see teams everywhere what is it with all these teams? Is it just an ego thing or is it really a better way to run the business? We talked about what it looks like to get one started, why people start them in the first place. And we left off talking about some of the pros and cons of being on a team and or running a team yourself. We followed that up with a look at whether or not an individual should consider joining a team. As an individual in real estate, you, it's a big choice to make. Teams can represent a huge amount of opportunity and leverage and to be in the, you know, in close proximity to the right leader can be a great opportunity. And at the same time, if you join the wrong team, it, it could just set you back. It might be something that you spend months or even years and end up with very little to show for it. So I share that my perspective is that joining a team will often either be the best decision you ever make or it could be the worst. Today, I wanna to help answer that question for an individual. And I wanna say, if you're looking at a real estate team, what are some of the red flags that you could look for? And better yet, if you own a real estate team, what are some of the reasons that your team might suck? I've got five main things that I've found are telltale signs that a real estate team or group, if you like to call it that, might not be what it's played out to be. Okay, so let's let's talk about five of the main red flags you should watch for. Number one reason that your team might suck is that the team is a means to an end. Here's the deal, usually teams start because of an abundance. The, the, the founder of the group got into business and they, they discovered that they were really good at something. They were really good at generating leads. They were really good at creating clients. They were really good at getting referrals. And, and through doing this, what happened was they built their business up to a point that they had more than they needed, more than they could reasonably care for at a high level on their own. And so that begat the team. The, 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 the team was born through an abundance. There was more available than one person could manage on their own. And so they began a team as a way to serve those people. We also see this happening when someone runs out of time. There's an abundance of work to do, but the amount of time available that that person either wants or is able to invest in their business isn't enough to make it work. So they start out by building some administrative help and then it grows some more and then they bring in some agents. So usually a team starts with an abundance. And I think the first red flag you should look for is a team that starts as a means to an end. So this, this is something that we see all the time where the founder of a business isn't busy and they want more business, but they don't wanna do the work. So instead they go out and they find all these people and they expect that those people are gonna bring in some business. They're gonna shake trees and you know, opportunities are gonna fall out. They're gonna go out and kick tires and start fires and they're gonna make things happen. Well, guess what? 
When you look at a successful real estate team, you see a lot of the business that comes out of it being generated by the agents on the team. And that's true. But the thing that you don't see is that usually there's no one working harder than the founder of the team. That person is so dedicated and not only are they doing so much work, but they've got this vision and energy about them that inspires other people to, to show up and carry forward alongside them to, to be the best version of themselves that they can. So really powerful teams. And I believe that this spans across the industry and frankly outside of it as well and in all kinds of organizations. Really powerful teams are always rooted in the vision and the energy of the leader. Bringing people in to an organization and expecting that they're going to solve the problems, they're going to want it more than the leader does, is always a recipe for disaster. And if the leader doesn't have that vision and that energy, they're not going to attract the right people anyways. I see this all the time where people will glob together. There will be three or four people that are lower producers and they share an office and they might share some leads and maybe they share some flyers. But really what it is, it's a number of people who are corrected, collected, it's a number of people who are connected by credit card. That's not a team. That's just a glob. So if you're going to build a team or if you're going to join a team, the first thing you want to check to make sure that that team does not suck is that the team is not a means to an end. They're not building a team just to build a team. They're building a team because they have so much energy and opportunity and abundance that it makes sense for more people to come and join together, which in turn continues to fuel the fire. Okay, so what's the second reason that your team might suck? Well, there's no unified purpose. There are all kinds of great reasons to start a real estate team. You have that abundance, you have this opportunity. And oftentimes you'll see, frankly, people will, will pass the first, uh, I'll call it a suck test, They'll pass the first suck test, but they get stopped at the second one. And the second one is that there needs to be something bigger that unites the people in the organization outside of just leads and deals. It can become very, um, very just flat in terms of the culture and the values of the team if there's nothing outside of transactions that binds them together. If all you do is show up and work together and there's nothing else, there's no glue, there's nothing uh, permeable, or there's just nothing to the actual business itself. So it can't just be about money. It can't just be about transactions. Truly great teams have something that ties them together. Now, it can be related to money. I see a lot of really powerful teams that are, are rooted in this shared, um, shared motivation to grow their wealth. So I've seen a lot of teams where the motivation, the goal is to create wealth for the members of the team and for their clients. And it can be something as simple as that, but it can't just be money. And most importantly, it can't just be one person's money. Going back to the first reason, like the team shouldn't be a means to an end for the founder. It should be a means to an end for everyone inside the organization. The problem if you miss this piece is that businesses become transactional. If it's just about getting the transaction done and moving on or making the calls and then leaving as quick as you can, there's no culture behind it. And what happens is the level of 
giving a shit that's available to support your clients is not enough that people are going to push through and really make it an amazing experience. I've seen a few different ways that people apply this at a high level and I'll share a few examples. The first one was wealth building. Wealth building where the founder of the team is passionate about increasing their personal net worth and their wealth and they're also passionate about sharing. So they teach and they help others to learn what's worked for them and they help them implement strategies and oftentimes they'll even give or partner on opportunities with their, their teammates as a way to, to you know, draw them closer and support them at a higher level. The more you share with people inside of your organization, the, the harder it's going to be for them to ever look somewhere else because you're giving something that very few other people will ever want to give them. Another example of a great reason that I've seen teams in terms of like unification is to serve their community. So I see amazing organizations that are based on giving back. They're based on um, they're they're based on their 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 uh, their opportunity for charity. They're supporting the local schools. They're integrated at every level, not only with the community, but within one another. They're showing up at events. They're flipping pancakes. They're giving away prizes. They're making it not about themselves, but they're making it about being from a place of service. And the final example I'll give is, well, what about making your team about just helping people be a better version of themselves? This is the one that I have always gravitated towards because I love to teach and I love to support and I love coaching. I run a coaching business and I look at it as if I can help people to grow and find their own path and, and take the journey of becoming a better person, not just inside of real estate, but outside of it and in all aspects of their life, their health, their wealth, their experiences, their relationships, their business, their job everything. If I can help them better that, it's going to be really hard for anyone to find a better opportunity than to be part of that. So the third reason that your team might suck is leadership is disengaged. So we see this a lot. The classic example is the retiree. You have someone who's worked so hard their entire career and all they want to do is spend their, their summers at the cottage. And they want nothing more than to have a really strong and vibrant team around them so they can trust that their business is cared for when they're away from it. But they're only in the office once a week. They don't have routine calls with their members of their group. They disappear for a week or two on end and they unplug. These are beautiful things to have the ability to do in your life. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't unplug and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have times where you're away from your business. But I am saying that People crave structure, they crave support, and most importantly, when they're joining a team, if someone wants to be part of a team, they're doing it, the, the right people do it more for the leader and less for the leads. They're doing it because they want to be part of something. They wanna have someone there to, to prop them up, to answer their questions, and to lead them as a leader should. And so if leadership is disengaged, the, the, the value isn't going to be there and you're not going to be the team that attracts the people you need to be able to truly step away. People start teams as a form of leverage. If you think about leverage, it, it's you know, typically going to be systems, tools, and people. Those are the three main forms of leverage. Well, if you start a team as a way to develop some leverage in your world, well, the leverage is a two-way street. 
the people you bring in are going to be leveraged in serving your priorities in your business, but simultaneously, you're leveraged to them. You're leveraged for them to better themselves. You're leveraged for them to have support when they need it to make sure that they're getting the deals they need to get. And the, the team itself should have structures in place that provide leverage. So it can't be a one-way street and it can't just be leads and administrative support. It needs to be the environment and the leadership that's available as well. Now, the retiree, let's go back to this. We've got the person who wants to step out of being completely tied to their business all the time. Well, you can build structures that allow that to be a reality. But what you can't do is just disappear. It's, it's a process. It's not an event. You can't say, well, I hired a buyer's agent and they're two weeks in and I feel like they're pretty confident. I'm gone for a month. But if you've built your business up to a place that it works and that person's confident and maybe there's someone you've brought in who's experienced enough that they can support them and take them under their wing or help them in a tough situation, then you start to earn those opportunities. And it leads us really nicely to the next reason that your team might suck, which number four is that the opportunity just isn't there. The fourth reason that your team might suck is the opportunity isn't there. So people want to have a path for growth. And in their professional lives, they want to be able to see that there is a path ahead of them for professional development. They want to know that along their way, there are going to be new opportunities. They don't want to do the same thing every year, especially really talented go-getters. Like if you want to bring the ninjas into your world, if you want to bring the, 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 the people with grit, the reason that they're working hard in their life is because they want more. It's human nature to want more. And, and so you need to have a path for them to follow. This does not necessarily need to be some huge ornate thing. Certainly we see teams that have these structures in place that people can grow through and they say organizationally, when we get to this, we're going to have these new roles and this is what it could look like. Uh, and you know, it's not promised, it's earned. And yet at the same time, they show people like, hey, if you continue and you thrive, here's what's next and here's what's next and here's what's next. As a leader, you should always be asking yourself who your replacement is. I know that I ask myself this consistently. Who can I, who can I support and, and lead and pour into such that down the road, I can move on to my next opportunity and I've got someone to take the reins. Just like the vacationer, we want to make sure that if you're going to disappear for, you for a few weeks, it's not at the expense of all the hard work you put into your business up until now. So how do we create a path for growth? Well, one way is just to simply make your world big enough. Imagine that you want a world for yourself that involves, you know, you and your family. And in addition to your family, you want to have some nice properties and vehicles. And in addition to your properties and vehicles, you want to put aside enough money that at a certain point you have passive income to support you. And aside from the passive income, you'd like to be able to give to charity. And your world's about this big right now. What happens if someone else comes in and their world is pretty close to as big as yours? Are you going to be able to create a world big enough for them inside your business? Well, if someone wants a world this big, I want them to be part of my business. So maybe instead of saying, you know, you can work here for a few years and then it, it, you're going to have to go find what you need. Maybe you find a way to make your world expand so it's big enough that they can get what they want inside of your world. That's the first way. And, and usually the way that this works is we sit down, we look and we say, okay, well, what 
could we build together that would make this big enough that you can get all that you want? What does it need to look like and how are you going to help me get there? Okay. Now, simultaneously, sometimes a real opportunity can lie within the fact that someone is planning a retirement. If you have someone that is winding down, you've got the cottager again, and they're 10 years from their retirement. Well, that is a business that someone like me might be interested in being part of. They might be able to come in and look at the business and say, hey, you know what? This is actually a really great foundation that you have. And over the next five years, I'd like to contribute. And then I'd like to work together to do a five-year buyout because you've got a huge database of opportunity. You've been the number one agent in this little town for two decades. Everybody knows your brand, your name, and, and what it represents. And you've got a lot of respect within the community. I could build on that. I could start now building relationships with this database and nurturing it. And then over time, I could actually better your retirement. I could better the, the legacy of what you've built and I could assume it. So I think one of the first ways to consider creating opportunity for people to make sure that your team doesn't suck is secession. And it saddens me truthfully because a lot of great business people and realtors fail to make an exit plan for themselves. They just don't do it. They go through their entire career serving their clients and earning enough and frankly doing quite well. And when the time comes for them to step back, all of that just kind of fades. And with some planning and finding the right person and casting this vision, hey, I've got all these years of work. I've got great notes. All of, You call my database. You, they pick up the phone. You say, hey, do you know who Sean is? They're going to say yes. Well, why don't we work out an arrangement where I could take my retirement and still have some residual income for a certain number of years. And I could know that there's someone I was able to give an opportunity to. And my, my work wasn't for nothing. It was passed on. It bettered someone else. So that could be a great opportunity that you can create for someone. The second one is where I was talking about growing the world for someone. You make your world grow so that it's big enough so that other people can have a pretty amazing life just being in business with you. So this is long-term growth and it goes back to that career path, right? Well, one, one way, if you're in the, the dawn of your career rather than the twilight of it, that you can do this is you can do it by creating a sequence of steps that you expect your business will go through. And, and this is how I've always designed my businesses to say, right now we're here. Well, if we double, this is what the organization is going to look like. When we hit 10x our current size, here's what the organization is going to look like. And how do I build the organization so that those are cool roles? Like, I want that job inside my organization. How do I invite people in to be an entrepreneur within my ecosystem so that they can better my, my organization and better themselves at the same time? How do I make them part of the growth? and give them the opportunity to create a role that they can earn something, something significant for themselves in. So I, I like to look at creating a path based on both of us winning together and saying, if you get here, you can earn blank. And when they earn blank, I'm rewarded too. So guess what? Back to the leader who has the energy and the vision, I'm gonna be pushing just as hard as them but I'm gonna have the leverage in place of having someone truly amazing that's passionate and excited about building just like me, okay? The final way that we see a lot of teams creating this kind of opportunity is it's something that's ref 
referred to as OTE or on target earnings. Now this started outside of real estate. This is kind of an old thing and it's a sales concept in general, but recently it's migrated its way into to real estate. On target earnings refers to a blend of different payment types that you can use to incentivize someone to hit their goals. The classic example would be for something like insurance where they'd bring someone in and they'd say, you get this small retainer and the retainer will carry you through while you're growing. And then it goes down to a minimal amount. That's like a monthly salary, just so we have control and you're one of our employees. And then you have commission bonuses above it. And if you do this and this and this, you get your commissions, you get your retainer and you get the bonus when you hit blank and the bonus when you hit blank and the bonus when you hit blank, if you hit all your goals, you get blank, right? Well, one of the ways that we've seen this applied in real estate is through offering people tiered commissions. So a lot of real estate teams now will say, you come in and you start out at blank. And, and oftentimes it's gonna be somewhere at or around or lower than 50%. There's gonna be a comp structure in place where the agent writes a deal and they keep a little uh, around half, maybe a little less of the commission that was totally generated. And then, what they do is they say, but guess what? When you hit 15 transactions, it goes up a notch. When you hit 25 transactions, it goes up another notch. And we see teams that have million dollar producers inside of their business. And it's not a million dollars of leads that the team created and booked appointments with and nurtured and closed. And there's a lot of services these teams are providing, but they have producers who are putting a million dollars of gross revenue through the team every single year. And they kept them because they've made it such that with the services and the amount of, of commission that they're keeping by the time they reach their, their highest tier, which is something that they get to quickly because they're, they're such a producer, it doesn't make sense for them to leave. And they get to remain in partnership with someone. The neat thing as well is that with this kind of structure, you're giving them the opportunity to provide extra leverage for themselves. So a lot of these teams, will make it such that they're keeping enough that they could actually crack some off and have an assistant who manages their books. They could have an assistant who shows properties for them. So you're, you're creating and, and fostering entrepreneurship within your organization. You're doing it in a really simple way. And we're seeing this more and more within the industry. Okay, the fifth reason that your real estate team might suck. The fifth reason that your real estate team might suck is that it's just no fun. What was that old one? All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. There's so, something like that, but you really need something other than work to keep you, your culture straight. It can't just be that you show up and grind every day. And on my team, don't get me wrong, we were grinders. We showed up, we worked our buns off. We were there every day. We were rolling our scripts. We were sharing our goals. We were holding each other accountable. Like we did everything. And at the same time, we had fun. We'd go out and we'd do stuff. We'd, we'd go out to dinner. We'd grab a beer after lunch. It's the little things. It's the moments that you have together socially that make the times that you spend working together really, frankly, a lot more enjoyable. There's, there's a lot of time that's spent in your real estate business doing things that are frankly repetitive and boring, especially if you're a high producer. Don't, don't tell me that you haven't made a lot of phone calls. Like we all got to shovel some slob, right? And at the same time, that can't be the only thing. We need that glue. And that glue is what makes it easy for us to spend so much time together because it's not just work. It's easy if it's always pressure and it's always obligations 
for it to get overwhelming and for people to frankly get thin on their patience with one another. If, if you work actively with a small group, you're spending more time with these people often than your partner in life. So you got to bear in mind that you need something with them other than work. Otherwise, you're going to have that association that they're just there to grind with you. So incorporate some fun. It could be, it could be a team lunch once a month and you can combine it with a learning opportunity or a trip. We see a lot of teams that do travel. They'll fly somewhere once a year and, and learn together or, or just have fun. I, I coach a team that flies all of the people who hit a minimum standard. Um, and it's not too hard. Like they, the, most of the team goes, they fly all of them to Mexico every year and, and they spend five days on the beach and they just enjoy each other and they bring their spouses. What can you do to add some playfulness? On our team, we had a cowbell we bought. This was when that, that cowbell song from Saturday Night Live was really big. And we bought a cowbell and we'd ring this thing like idiots every single time we booked an appointment. It drove us crazy, but we all laughed and we had fun because there was something other than work. Finally, put some gratitude into your rhythm with your team. Find opportunities to show gratitude to them and to have them show gratitude to one another. A, a powerful book called The Happiness Advantage. It's written by Sean Aker. And um, I've seen him speak. He's a powerful, powerful man. And he's studied happiness within organizations. And the benefits of happiness and gratitude are literally things that have had an, a, a, an impact on people dying of cancer. Not even trying to make them happy, but just taking the doctors and helping them practice gratitude and bring happiness into their environment. Little things that you might not perceive as important can make a big difference. So take time to pour back into your, your team and give them that. Otherwise, your team might suck. Listen, you might listen to all this and think, oh God, I've got to go fix everything. Here's five more problems with my team and I thought I already had enough. You don't need to. What you need to do is just look at this list of five. Your team shouldn't be a means to an end. There needs to be some kind of unified purpose behind it. As leadership, you need to have engagement and, uh, and the, the opportunity path needs to be there for people to grow with you. And you need to make it fun. Look at those five and say, where's one place that I could raise the bar? What's one little thing I could do in each area that just would tweak things a little bit? It doesn't need to become a project. It just needs to be in your mind and in your heart while you're doing all this. I really appreciate above all else that you gave me your time. So thank you for watching. And as always, I'll see you on the next one. Be powerful. Talk to you soon.